Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You became everything I wanted to see. California. We can be Okay, welcome to the IDP show week 16 rankings episode. I'm your host, Chase Abbey, and I'm joined on today's show by a man who boasts some pretty impressive credentials. In addition to hosting the award-winning Draft Sharks Fantasy Podcast, he's Fantasy Pro's two-time IDP Accuracy Champ, and he's been a finalist for the Fantasy Sports Writers Award. A huge welcome to Matt Schauf, and Merry Christmas, my man. How goes it? Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. I'm just glad that it was me you were talking about with the impressive credentials. I was worried somebody else was about to jump in and join us. Too modest, too modest. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm really excited to uh, to get on the show with you today. I've been waiting for this one for a little while. It's been in the pipeline. Uh, looking forward to uh, to mixing it up and just talking some some IDP. It doesn't get any better than this, does it? Even in the week immediately preceding Christmas. Uh, I mean, if anything, it's good to get a break from online shopping and and getting the house ready for Christmas. I'd much rather talk about defensive players and especially when, I mean, with all of the content out there, there's still so little. So I'm glad you guys are doing this and I'm glad that there are folks across the ocean playing IDPs when there still aren't even enough on our side doing so. Gotta gotta fly that flag for IDP, dude. It's uh... right. It's where it's, it's where it's at, isn't it? So um, what do you say to, to jumping straight into this then and talking about some of these uh, week 16 rankings? We're going to go position by position, discussing some of the, the guys who we're sort of hyping or fading for the slate of games ahead. So Matt, let's let's kick things off by talking about your first featured linebacker. Who do you like this week? Well, one thing that I always find a little bit tough, strange, like whatever your adjective is, it's gauging exactly where these IDPs sit in terms of um, perceived value in terms of how much they're used, even how much they're rostered across sites. Like for the offensive guys, we know pretty well what the perception is on a player, but it, it, it surprises me every time that I go down some Avenue for trying to figure that out because we don't really have one solid way to determine it. So I look at the, consensus rankings on fantasy pros. I look at the rostered rates on sleeper and just try to, I don't know, kind of guess from there. So some of the names are going to sound obvious to people, I think, and other leagues, you might find these players available. I didn't plan to name Levante David as the linebacker that I like this week. Cause to me, he seems obvious. I mean, 
He's been playing well since he got back healthy. The Jaguars are allowing the sixth most fantasy points per game to linebackers, the third most solo tackles to the position. And this matchup is probably going to be even better for Levante David if it's CJ Beathard in place of Trevor Lawrence with the concussion because Beathard's got Beathard adds sack upside. He adds turnover upside. He's got a higher career sack rate than Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be more turnover worthy, I guess, probably more turnover prone. And Levante David's gotten some pass rushing chances recently, seven of them last week, according to Pro Football Focus. He's already matched his season total for pass rushing opportunities in 372 fewer snaps than he had last year. He's already had as many pass rushes. So we've got more sack upside with Levante David than we might have had in the past. We've got a good matchup for him. And again, we've got him playing well. Two plus tackles for loss in four of the past five games. I think even if your league doesn't score tackles for loss, it's a good stat to look at because it can tell you that an off-ball linebacker is playing well if he's making plays behind the line of scrimmage. In addition to that, he's got passes defensed in three of his past four games. So we're talking about a cross-category guy. We're talking about a longtime contributor, and I've got him in the top five. I looked at the consensus rankings. He's sitting something like 15th. So it's not that anybody dislikes him, but I'm telling you he's somebody that you need to start this week. I I love the call. I've I've been a, a longtime Levante David fan. He's, what, like 33 now, 34, but still one of the best linebackers in terms of his pass coverage skills which is phenomenal he's been doing it forever in a day uh, like you say he's he's been getting more pass rush opportunities as well lately he's got a couple of sacks in the last three games what's not to love and you know that matchup that's uh, that's as good as it gets really so yeah all all aboard for for david totally there with you i don't have him ranked as high as the the lb5 but he's uh, he's within my lb1 range this week so my featured linebacker like is, and this one is kind of a brave call, you might say, but it's Christian Harris. Uh, he's my LB 32, up eight spots from last week. Look, he was he was flat out terrible last year, like historically bad. Uh, 116 linebackers played 100 snaps last year. Out of those 116, PFF rated him 115th in coverage, 114th in tackling grade and 113th in run defense. So, you know, I mean, we try to keep expectations in check with these rookie linebackers, but even so, that was such a bad year that I thought it was going to take a miracle for him to become even close to an every-down linebacker. But but miracles do happen, Matt, right? He's, he's taken advantage of some injuries to others at the position, Perryman, Cashman, 2020, and he's looked like a totally different guy at times this year. Hasn't done it consistently, but there's been flashes, more than flashes maybe, where he's he's shown that he can he can be that guy. He's never going to be an elite run defender. That was never who he was, even at Alabama. But he's he's playing much better in coverage. He's missing fewer tackles. Put up eight solos last week with no missed efforts. Second week in a row that he's done that. And he did that against what should have been on paper, at least, a poor matchup. But this week, they've got the Browns. The Browns are a great matchup for, for linebackers. The only caveat here, really, is if Cashman makes it back. He's questionable. If he does make it back, that will obviously mean fewer opportunities for Harris. But otherwise, I, I like him all the way. What do you what do you think on Harris, Matt? 
what a wild season for that guy. I, I mean, you mm. mentioned all the issues last year. He did open the season in the starting lineup. And then by week two, they were like, yeah, maybe we don't want to play Christian Harris so much. And then it was all over the place over the next six weeks or so. And then all of a sudden over the past five, he's been a full-time player, been 90, been over 90% playing time in four of the past five down for one of those, you know, we'll see about Blake Cashman. The last time he was on the field, though, Cashman wasn't the top playing time guy. So I guess my only concern about the Houston LB core is it's just been kind of all over the place. I don't know for sure that we can trust, but, you know, five game stretch of pretty useful production from Christian Harris. I want to trust it this week, too. The, the matchup's good. It should be good for whoever's on the field. And the way that Harris has been used lately says that we should expect him to at least be one of the top two linebackers in this game. I agree that he's he should be a solid LB three this week. Yeah, yeah, I think he's better than better than Perriman. But I've been kind of surprised at how well Cashman has played. Like you say, it has been. A little bit all over the place. Obviously, injuries have, have factored into that somewhat. But yeah, I, I kind of like him. If Cashman misses time this week, I I'd be quite happy to start start Harris as a uh, as like, like you said as an LB three, but one that could perform beyond those expectations. We won't hear anything from reporters about what the plans are at linebacker for Houston, right? Because they don't they don't they don't know that defense exists until game days. That's it, exactly. So yeah, we're going to be playing uh, rolling the dice a little bit on that one, maybe. Uh, so any other linebackers you want to champion this week, Matt? Yeah, my next guy is on the other side of that matchup for the Browns. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa has been terrific mm. for uh, a while now. Week 10, we saw his playing time rebound from around 50% to 81% in that game. Since week 10, he has not dipped below 79%. In that span, he's second among all linebackers in fantasy points per game, depending on your format, of course. Maybe that differs a little bit, but... It probably doesn't differ too much because he's been producing across categories, averaging 7.7 .7 tackles over that span, 1.3 tackles per, for loss. So again, that's a good measure of how well a guy is playing. He's making tackles behind the line of scrimmage, two and a half sacks in that time, three passes defensed. This matchup gains upside if C.J. Stroud is not playing, and that's what's expected to be the case now. So that Houston offense gets shorter range, less explosive easier for the speedy JOK to catch. It's a matchup that doesn't necessarily look amazing by the numbers, but Jeremiah Usukormo has been so good lately that you just play him unless there's a reason not to. And I don't think you have a reason not to. He looks like he's way underrated right now versus where he should be. I think he's another guy who should be in that LB1 range. Yeah, I, I talked about, I, I love the guy. Um, talked about him either last week or the week before, I forget which, but mentioned at the time that I was really high on him after his rookie year. He was kind of like my breakout candidate at linebacker for his year too, so last year. Slightly disappointed in what he did last year, but he's he's come back um, with a vengeance this year. Didn't necessarily start in that way. Uh, there was like, you know, we talked about the Houston linebacker situation and the, the confusion there as to who was going to be the main guy each week. Cleveland was even worse, right? It was Walker one minute, Taki Taki the next, Awusu Koromoa, or just none of them could be reliable um, until, like you say, a couple of a couple of games back, maybe four, five, six weeks now. All of a sudden, Awusu Koromoa has emerged as their top option. I think he should be their top option. He's, I think, the the most the most talented of the bunch, and certainly the most modern player in terms of his skill set. Slightly surprised to see Taki Taki 
beat him for snap share last week with Walker out. But like you say, there wasn't enough of a dent in Awusu Koromoa's snap share. Still had, what, 86, 87%. That's not enough to worry me too much. Really like the guy. Really like the call. I haven't got him as an LB1. I haven't quite got him that highly. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all I'm all for, for Awusu Koromoa. And I, he's one of those guys that I try not to show bias in my rankings, but I really want to see him succeed as well. Yeah, that's that might be the toughest thing to do is you're like, oh, I want to rank this guy high. But then when I look at the numbers, I can't quite put him where I want to. So, you know, sometimes it's worth fudging it up a little bit because there's always uh, not always. Sometimes there's some upside beyond what you can reasonably project. But I, he's like you said, he's a player I've liked since he was a prospect. I mean, he was a second round pick, but a speedy guy stepping into a good situation. I hope that this end of season stretch is enough that we finally get him full time from the start of the season next year. But, you know, we'll see if there's one thing we could trust with Cleveland linebackers lately. It's that we can't trust them. Oh, for sure. For sure. So um, do you have any other names you want to throw at me? I want to throw out Jordan Hicks, and this one's going to take watching him through the week because as far as we know, even Kevin O'Connell doesn't know if Jordan Hicks is going to be ready to play. But it sure sounds like as soon as Jordan Hicks shows that he's ready to play, Kevin O'Connell's excited to get him all of the playing time again because he called him the quote-unquote heart and soul of the defense in terms of how he communicates, getting everybody into the right position. And this is a team that's trying to fight to get into the playoffs. So I know that Ivan Pace has played well, and Kevin O'Connell praised him too, says he's done a great job filling in for Jordan Hicks as the play caller. But when you're trying to get those last few wins to get into the playoffs, I think you go back to the veteran, maybe you get Ivan Pace more playing time than he had been getting previously. But I think Jordan Hicks is going to get back to full time. And before his injury, which was a shin injury. So, you know, it's one of those where if he proves ready to play, I don't think we should worry about re-injury to it. It's not a knee or an ankle or something like that. I think that when we get Jordan Hicks back on the field, what we had before the injury was a guy who was scoring as a top six linebacker. I think it's it's a bit risky, but I think it's worth the risk to go ahead and put Jordan Hicks back into lineups, you know, as long as you play at, at certainly at least two linebackers, especially if you start three plus. Yeah, I tend to agree. It makes sense to go with the, the veteran. You know, Pace, like you say, has played really well. I, I'm kind of rooting for him in the same way as I was uh, Awusu Koromo. We spoke about a moment ago. I've got a bunch of pace in a bunch of places and very little hicks. So again, some some bias on my behalf there. But yeah, it makes sense to go back to the veteran. And it's it's interesting you should mention pace, actually. I originally slated him as my one of my quick mentions at linebacker that I liked for this week. He was going to be the second guy I was going to mention. I upset someone in the YouTube comments last week when I didn't mention pace. It wasn't that I didn't like him. I had, his, had him as my LB18 last week. Uh, but like you say, with Jordan Hicks sort of hopeful he can he can return, I've pivoted away from pace to Javon Bentley. Not a sexy name. Um, he only had four tackles, sorry, four solo tackles, seven combined last week. But it was his fifth game in a row with at least seven combined efforts. And I think he has a chance to, to flirt with double digits against the, the Broncos who have allowed the highest tackle efficiency to opposition linebackers. So Bentley's my number one, switched it up from pace. KJ Britt is the is the second guy I want to talk about. It just sounds like the Bucks and White, in fact, are ready to move on from each other. Three weeks ago, it kind of looked like Dennis might be the, the guy to own in terms of who was going to start in White's absence, but it's been all Britt 
the last two weeks. Snap shares being above 90% in both games against the Falcons and the, the Packers, I think it was. And the results have been pretty nice. Not mind-blowing, but pretty nice. 14 tackles, a sack, a pass breakup over that span. The Bucks face the, the Jags this weekend. Jacksonville's been a, a super friendly matchup for opposition linebackers. So I think as an LB3, you could do a lot worse than Britt. Yeah, it could certainly be an upside shot to take. I'm not sure if I'll get that far. Um, I do like Juwan Bentley's upside a bit better against the Broncos because we've seen the tackle ceiling for him. We know that he's capable of doing that. And I don't think the Patriots are capable of pushing Denver into, you know, a lot of passing as a couple of their recent opponents have done. But I think we'll get into that matchup a little bit more in a, in a few minutes. Let's talk about some of these linebackers who we aren't so keen on. Who is your featured player here? I got Jordan Brooks first, and it looks like from what I can tell by the market that the market doesn't love him this week either, but it's for good reason. He's a tackle heavy scorer and he's averaging just three solos, 2.3 assists over the past six games. So if you look at his full season numbers, he still looks solid. You might think of him as a guy that you should just start. You know, we get to this time of year and people are like, you got to start your studs. Otherwise, you're going to regret it. And it would be understandable if you look at Jordan Brooks and think, He's a stud. It's just not what he is right now. He is coming off the late season ACL tear, very end of season ACL tear. So I don't think we're getting full Jordan Brooks. He's also just an okay player in general in real football. Again, hasn't been doing the tackle production lately. And this week's matchup is with that Titans team that you alluded to with the Houston matchup earlier. If you're just thinking about it, you're like, oh, the Titans want to run the ball. That's a great matchup for linebackers. It just hasn't been. They've allowed the third fewest fantasy points per game to linebackers. So, I mean, you know, maybe it ends up going differently. But if we've got a linebacker who hasn't been producing and a matchup that hasn't been producing, to me, that's a guy that you try to leave on your bench. I agree with a lot of the points you made there. So, firstly, that that Brooks is not the the player his, his performances aren't quite at the level that his production tends to suggest. Wagner is still by far the superior linebacker there. But also, and, and most importantly for, for me, you know, this is a good example of how a guy can still be playing 75, 80% of the snaps most weeks and kind of produce. And it kind of lulls us into that, that false sense of security where we're like, he's playing the vast majority of the snaps. Why, why should I not start him this week? But over a course of a season, those 10, 15 snaps that he's missing every game do add up and he begins to, to lose pace with those leaders at the position. So as efficient as Brooks is most weeks as a tackler, despite not playing every down, that is the biggest issue for me when it comes to, when it comes to him. We, we know that these guys don't have to play particularly well, so I'm, I'm willing to forgive, forgive that when we're talking about weekly rankings in, in most cases unless there's a, an idea that they might lose their role the, the following week. But yeah, like I say, the, the snap share, that's, that's a big concern for me. And whether it's Brooks or, or somebody else, you know, you can get caught up in looking at the, the season score or even just thinking about a few weeks ago where that guy put up a big number for you. And that very well mm -hmm. might be the case if you've been starting Brooks and you look back to that first San Francisco matchup where he had a pick six and he had 12 tackles and you're like, I can't sit that guy. What if that happens? If you look at his game log, that stands out as a clear outlier among his past six games. So, I mean, if you want to bet on the outlier as opposed to the other five in that span, that's fine. It might end up working out for you, but I, I would go with the others as opposed to that. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that history of production makes me, he's a player that I pause on every week when I come to him in my rankings. I look at where I've listed him and I sort of start to question, you know, he's the kind of guy that I should have ranked a little higher, right? And then I go back to the numbers and I'm kind of reassure myself that where I've got him ranked is okay. So yeah, he's a, he's a tough one to rank actually, Brooks. But yeah, I think we're justified in our sort of outlook on him and having him a little lower than, than perhaps consensus. Mm-hmm. So talking of uh, such a guy, here, here's a name for you. So I'm, I'm cooling on Nick Bolton uh, this week and possibly for the rest of this season. He's my LB30 for week 16, one behind Landon Roberts. Didn't expect to be saying that at the start of the season. I mean, Bolton is a guy who's played last year, played a huge role in, in winning some fantasy championships for, for managers out there. I know injuries have derailed him this year and his 2024 season may look very different, but but these are weekly rankings. And when he has played this year, he hasn't been the every down guy that we came to expect last year. And while I know that he's a, a threat to, to earn more than the 81% snap share he had last week as he continues to get healthy, I don't want to take that gamble on a player at this point in the fantasy season. This is like, this is like, business time, isn't it? So Drew Tranquil's back in the mix. Willie Gay continues to to leech some snaps. Leo Chanel won't go away. And I think while those three are more likely to cannibalize each other's roles, I want to see Bolton assume that every down role again before I feel comfortable talking about him as anything more than a sort of a solid LB2. In addition, I don't like this matchup against the Raiders. Uh, They've allowed fewer than 15 tackles to opposition linebackers per game in 2023, ranking amongst the the bottom five teams in that sense. So yeah, I want to be higher on Bolton. He's got that. He's definitely got that name recognition value. Do you think I'm being too harsh, Matt? I don't. I think that he's fine to be cautious about. Uh, We haven't seen much from him this year. Literally, he hasn't been on the field that much. And like you said, the playing time was a bit limited last week. I think we have even still a further skewed view from that game because we just didn't get all that many tackle chances from that New England team. They had 16 carries in that game, 23 completed passes. So, I mean, that's 39 possible tackle opportunities, you know, plays. Uh, Obviously, there can be more than one tackle on a play. But, you know, just not a lot of opportunities for him to make plays. He Nick Bolton's probably somebody that I'm going to need to think more about during the week and watch for any signals on whether they think he's ready for 100% playing time and probably move him around my rankings. But I think he is totally a fine player to be cautious about right now. And like, even if at the end of this weekend, you go back and you're like, oh, Nick Bolton got 10 tackles and I left him on my bench. It wasn't the wrong move. We haven't seen enough to say that he was a good bet to get that so far. You'd have to be pretty loaded, I think, to not start Bolton as like an LB3, but there's no teams on a bye. So if you if you are going to miss a week of Bolton, this this might be it, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'd be worried about sitting him for like a reach start. But if, you know, if you're comparing him to several other guys that we're talking about in like the top 2024, 20, nothing wrong with playing others ahead of Nick Bolton after this week, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. So who else are you, you fading for week 16 at the linebacker spot? I am not as high as it seems like the market is on Tremaine Edmonds. And, you know, it's understandable why you'd be high on him right now. And when I say market, he's LB12 right now in the Fantasy Pros consensus. I'm sure we're going to have lots more sets of rankings going in. Mine aren't in there right now. So that'll drag him down some. But he's LB12 there, and I don't think he deserves that. 
And you might think I'm crazy if you if you look at his recent fantasy scoring because the past four weeks have included LB1 overall, LB12, and LB18 finishes for Edmonds. But he had interceptions in each of those games. He had a pick six last week against Cleveland. So that's really inflating those numbers. He's averaging four and a half solo tackles over that span, 2.75 assists. Those are fine. And I think he's fine. And if you're valuing him this week as fine, then I think you're doing fine. But if you think that Tremaine Edmonds is the 12th overall linebacker, that means you're playing him ahead of guys we talked about, like Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa, like potentially Levante David. And I think that if you play Tremaine Edmonds over Levante David this week, you're going to wind up very disappointed by Monday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I agree. And that might surprise some of our audience because I talked up Edmonds last week in what should have been a, a pretty good matchup for him. Uh, I agree, though. LB12 is 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 too high for him. I've got him down at LB20. And the tier that he's in, realistically, I could interchange anyone from sort of the LB10 spot down to like the LB24 spot. These are all full-time guys. They're kind of like ranked where they are because of matchup form health in some cases but yeah lb12 is is too rich for me there's too many other guys who have been more reliable uh consistent and productive this year that you you'd be ranking him ahead of as you said so uh i'm gonna take some stick for this one um but i've gone with uh kaliki hudson um now you know before before people take the pitchforks out i have to admit i cheated on this one a little bit i don't dislike him i just don't like him as much as everybody else seems to and some of that might be just a, a problem with my perception but i've seen a lot of talk about him this week and i i think we need to kind of temper those expectations a little bit you've got to give him credit for what he what he did you know 14 tackles was was crazy came from nowhere to to essentially replace david mayo as jameen davis his replacement monster game but he's not an every down guy and that 21.9% tackle efficiency he had last week, that's not sustainable. And the Jets team that he's playing this week rank amongst the worst teams in terms of tackle efficiency to opposition linebackers, irrespective of who their starting QB has been. So for those reasons, I'm just saying, let's just pump the brakes a little bit on Hudson this week. I've got him ranked down uh, in my LB40 range. I forget where example, LB47. So I'm... I'm thinking of him as an LB, an LB4, really, a low-end LB4 this week, which will upset some people. It's just how it is. Yeah, I mean, one game is awesome. Maybe it 
signals what he's going to do this week. It's also one game. Maybe it doesn't at all. Maybe he doesn't ever get another game of more than 50% playing time this year. Cause that's the only time the season that he's seen it. And you know, if you can't get ahead of Cody Barton and David Mayo before week 15, then it's a signal of something more than the coaches just forgetting that you're on the team. And just to be clear, I'm, I'm picking up Hudson in every league that I'm in where I need linebackers. I don't think Barton is irreplaceable by any stretch. Um, so I'm picking up Hudson in the hope that if I make it through the next round of the playoffs in my leagues, then, you know, I just want to be one step ahead of the game. I just, I'm just not starting him this week unless I'm, unless I'm really desperate. Yep. Totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, Cody Barton's so awesome that the team that started him all of last year, let him walk in free agency to Washington. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's talking about just the guys. He, he's the definition of that, uh, of, of that description really. So who else do you have uh, at linebacker who you're, you're not so keen on this week? Frankie Louvu is usually a guy that I like often uh, above where the market likes him, but I don't really like him this week. Um, he's down in low LB three range. His pass rush chances are down over the past two weeks, including one against Atlanta last week. Part of that is playing Atlanta and Atlanta. I don't know, plays 1920s football, but it was the week before Frankie Louvu has not been getting as many pass rush chances, which is really the, the biggest draw to his game. He has more upside in that area the typical off-ball linebackers even if he gets a few more of those opportunities this week Jordan Love has the seventh best sack rate among qualifying quarterbacks so it's not a great matchup for sack upside and overall the Packers are allowing the second fewest LB fantasy points per game so just not a great spot and Frankie Louvu is not a reliable enough scorer that you say forget the matchup I'm playing Frankie he's also my second guy I I really like him in in certain scoring formats you know where we emphasize sacks and QB hits above tackles perhaps, but he's kind of struggled down the stretch, had that big sort of first two weeks of the year, four sacks in his opening two games, only two in the 12 games since just hasn't rushed the passer as often as he has last year. He's roughly around about half of his total pass rush snaps so far in the season. I know we've got a couple of games yet to go, but you'd hope that would help him in terms of his tackle efficiency, but that's not really been the case either. It's frustrating. Uh, as he is around the ball a lot, but a lot of his a lot of his tackles have come by way of assists relative to his number of solos compared to other linebackers, at least. So the Packers haven't been a good opponent for opposition linebackers in terms of tackle efficiency and tackle volume. They allowed very few sacks as well, as you pointed out. So yeah, for both of those reasons, I'm I'm also out on on Louvre this week. And when we talk about being out, I'm not completely out on the guy. I still got him ranked as like LB3, high-end LB3, I just, this is not, this is not going to be his best week in my opinion. Yeah, I would probably play Frankie Louvu still over Kaliki Hudson, but it's down in that range where it's a decision. And if you want to go Hudson, uh, that's, I think that's fine. Louvu, you know, has quietly been dealing with multiple injuries this year. So perhaps that's impacting his performance. He hasn't, I don't know if he's sat out a game yet. I don't think he's sat out a game, but he's been questionable multiple times with varying things. So he might be one of those guys that we find out after the season. Oh, he was playing through this for 10 yeah. weeks. Um, you know, we'll watch for that. But for now, he's he's not a great option for week 16. Agreed. Agreed. So, look, that's enough linebacker tour. Let's, let's switch focus to these defensive linemen, Matt. So, which DT or edge player are you hyping for the week ahead? 
this is another one of those where I talk about um, figuring out the guys that you need to focus on. Cause you know, I do my waiver wire article at the beginning of every week. And a lot of times I just like pass over guys, assuming that they're on a roster in most leagues. Quinnen Williams though, is a guy that was surprisingly under rostered, I would say. And I think that, you know, if you play in a league that requires defensive tackles, he's probably been on a roster all season, probably been in a starting lineup all season. So not going to matter for there. But I think this week's matchup is good enough that Quinnen Williams matters for every league that plays defensive linemen. And he might well be on the waiver wire in some leagues like that because he's outside of the top 35 in DL scoring for the season. He hasn't had big numbers lately, but he's had some of those hidden pressure numbers. Three straight games with two quarterback hits. Now he gets Washington, which leads the league in pass attempts. So there's opportunities. Third most sacks allowed. Still good at letting people hit Sam Howell. Sam Howell is still good at letting people hit him. Four of Washington's past five games have specifically included sacks by interior linemen. That included one and a half from Miami's Zach Sealer, who... Might be a defensive end in your league's format, but he's an interior lineman that he's like a 3-4 D end, close to what Quinnen Williams plays. Two sacks for Dallas's Jonathan Hankins, who's a straight-up defensive tackle. Quinnen Williams is just one of the best players in that area of the field. It doesn't guarantee he's going to produce for you this week, but he also does have multi-sack upside. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Quinnen Williams finishes this week as like a top-five scorer for the position. Like you say, the the sack numbers haven't always been there, but the pressure numbers have. And we know that the sacks will follow, assuming he continues to bring pressure at the rate that he is. I mean, just looking at it now, Justin Madubuike has had 57 pressures and 13 sacks. Quillen Williams has had six fewer pressures, but only four sacks. That that will even out over time. It's just a question of whether that can happen in time to to help you this year. So if you've got him, though, you start him, especially this week, for the reasons you mentioned, Matt. I like that a lot. Uh, so my guy in this spot is uh, Bryce Huff, someone else I've been talking about for for over a season now. He's he's my edge twenty DL twenty three, up thirteen spots from last week, which is a pretty steep climb. It's it's really easy to make a case for Huff. He ranks behind only Micah Parsons in pressure rate amongst all edge or interior guys this year. It's the second season, in fact, where he's ranked amongst the best in that category. In terms of production, he's only been held back in the past by the fact that he's played such a small role relative to other edge rushers. And this season, he started in a a similarly small role, again, um, to start the first sort of four or five games, I think it was. But as the seasons unfolded, the Jets finally realized how talented he is. His role has expanded, and with it, his production's increased. 56 pressures, 8 sacks, and the 10th highest win rate amongst all edge guys. So, yeah, the Jets have the commanders this week. You talked a moment ago about the fact that they're still struggling on the offensive line. Got slightly better as the season's gone on. I, I still think this week the Jets pass rush i can't see that washington offensive line holding up and i think if franklin myers does miss time that helps huff even more he's going to get an even bigger role there's nothing not to like about this situation yeah bryce huff's one of those guys that every so often when you're doing the rankings you're like man i didn't realize just how good a season that guy is having and i think the fact that they're both jets so far points to this matchup because you know jace there are probably people who are like yeah quinn williams has been on a roster in my league all year Or people were like, who the hell is Bryce Huff? 
there's a wide range of leagues. There's a wide range of scoring formats. So, you know, it's important to kind of lay that groundwork for what the matchup is and then try to fit it to your league. That's one thing that we do on DraftSharks.com in particular is we we have you sync your team and then we show your actual waiver wire in your league. So, you know, if two doofuses are sitting on a Wednesday and talking about players that don't matter to you at all, either because they're already on a roster or they would never be on a roster, then you can at least take the matchup and go and look at who might be available in your league. I love that you guys do that because like you say, it's all about context, isn't it? There's, there's been this this sentiment in the past that people should play with massive rosters and that's the only way to play in super, super complex scoring settings. If that's not your thing, as long as you're playing IDP, I love it. Like if you're starting one or two guys, I love it. And that's, that's how most people get into, into playing, playing around with IDP, isn't it? So the fact that you guys do that, you sync the leagues, you give them contextual advice based on what their, what their specific settings and roster sizes is. That's brilliant as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, there's, there is no one way to do any of this. If that's the, what somebody's telling you, then that person is either lying or an idiot. Just really stubborn, maybe. Uh, you know, I used I used to try and encourage people to do the same thing myself, but now I think people should just enjoy it how they want to enjoy it. Yeah, definitely enjoy it how you want to enjoy it. I would encourage people to move at least beyond the three IDP starters because that's, that's still at the point where everybody can find plenty of people. And, you know, to some degree, it's nice for everybody to, to have an easy time finding guys worth starting, but... Uh, there's got to be some kind of challenge as far as I'm concerned, at least a little bit. So who else should we be starting on the defensive line in week 16? We talked about matchups in general. I think the Colts are another team to like in that area. And I think Samson Ebukam is a player that has not been getting enough credit for what he's doing this season. He's sitting 37th in early fantasy pros consensus. He's sitting 18th in points per game, at least by the balanced scoring format that I was looking at. That's three sacks to every solo as far as the scoring goes. You know, scoring is going to vary widely, but if you favor sacks even more, he's probably sitting even higher. Using that balanced scoring just over the past four games, Ebukam has had finishes of DL24, DL4, DL6. So he should be a starter in most leagues for this week's matchup against Atlanta, which is a top eight scoring matchup for D lineman. I mentioned with Frankie Louvu that the way that Atlanta's running its offense might cut down on the pass rush chances because they just might not pass the ball that much. You know, we'll see what game script says about this this week. But even if that's the case, there are plenty of tackle opportunities. Ebukam's on the field all the time. He's been putting up numbers. Atlanta has the eighth worst sack rate in the league. So when they do throw, they're susceptible to those sacks. And then beyond this week, we've got another positive matchup with the Raiders in week 17. So if your league is ignoring Samson Ebukam, then go ahead and make them pay for it by grabbing a guy that you can start this week and next week. And, you know, in terms of that availability, he's he's rostered in 4% of sleeper IDP leagues for further context Zaire Franklin is rostered in 88%. So the fact that Franklin's not hundred percent shows you that there's some, you know, margin for error there, but 4%, there's no margin for error that makes that an acceptable rate of rostering. No, there's not. And uh, yeah, he's been, he's been really getting it done lately. Hasn't he? I think he is the most talented edge rusher on that Colts roster. I know that he's kind of like struggling, not struggling for snaps, but he's competing with guys who are inferior to him as pass rushers. And I would include 
Quitty Pay in that in that in that group as well. I know Oda Yingbo's had a lot of sacks, but hasn't had the, the the pressure rate to sustain those sacks. I mean, I was looking at guys who have the highest finishing rate, so the lowest amount of pressures, the highest amount of sacks, and I think Oda Yingbo has the best rate amongst all edge rushers, which to me is a bit of a. I actually quite like the player, but it's a bit of a red flag. Ebukam is not that same guy. He's been bringing the pressure. He's been delivering sacks six in the last four. Five and a half in the last four, something like that. Yeah, I I like that call. I want to I, I want to say I disagree with you on at least one, Matt. So it doesn't sound like we're completely in sync all the way through this. But you're making good arguments and coming up with players who I considered to talk about in uh, in the same spot. In, I'll in see if I can toss you a crappy one at some point. Yeah, throw in a curveball at some point. So uh, this one might be that guy. My next guy is Darius Smith. He's someone who's caught a little flack recently on the uh, Week 16 waivers episode of the IDP show. And I can understand why, but I want to offer a slightly different perspective. So we're used to seeing double-digit sacks from him every year. So obviously four this year is, is really disappointing, but he's still bringing pressure. And I am cherry-picking here a little bit, but he had seven last week against Chicago, five against the Broncos in week 12, 13 in a three-game span between weeks eight and 10. I think he's been a little unfortunate not to record more than four sacks despite registering 49 pressures. Talked about finishing rate a minute ago with Oda Yingbo. I think the opposite end of that scale, Smith, 49 pressures, only four sacks. He's been really unfortunate. And I think he's got a chance to to set the record straight this weekend against the Texans, they've struggled to protect uh, CJ Stroud or Case Keenum in, in recent games. And I also like the fact that Okoronkwo is struggling. I don't like the fact, but as far as Smith is concerned, Okoronkwo's struggling with that pec injury, meaning Smith might see a, a slightly heavier workload. So it's 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 not a it's not going to be a trendy pick, but I've I'm I'm not as down on Smith as some seem to be. Uh, first of all, I think it's really rude that you said you're happy that uh, Akaranquo is hurt. <laughs> but, you know, trying to Pull move myself, beyond man. that, Smith's <laughs> probably not a guy that I'm getting to because he doesn't have the tackles to lay the floor for us to hope for that sack luck to turn around. And it's been a little bit inconsistent for me to count on a true breakout. I think the other factor that's Brown specific is the defense has been really good at getting offenses off the field. And that has actually hurt their pass rushing opportunities overall um, to some degree, you know, it's obviously not killing it, but I think Zadarius Smith is a low level, you know, take a shot. If you need a guy in a third spot, he's probably not going to make it into like strongly usable range for me. Fair points. Fair points. Um, so who else do you uh, do you have in this spot? Other defensive linemen who you think we should be starting or at least considering this week? This is another team spot that I think is a matchup where you can use it on multiple players. And the multiple players I'll mention are Jonathan Cooper and Baron Browning for the Broncos against the Patriots. Cooper has just one sack over his past four games. Browning has just a half sack over that same span, but they have 10 and nine total pressures apiece over just the past two weeks. According to PFF, the Patriots have allowed 18 sacks over their past five games. That's the same amount as they, as they allowed in their previous nine games. They're averaging 3.6 sacks allowed over that span. Jonathan Cooper is well ahead of Baron Browning in my rankings because he has been the better tackle bet. 
So that lays the higher floor for him. He has been a bit better on uh, pressure rate as, as well this year. But I think both of these guys carry multi-sack upside into this game. These are the, are the kind of, no, these are two specific players that I think are worth betting on making that jump from hidden pressure to sack production this week. Yeah, so I was kind of out on Cooper at one point earlier in the in the year, specifically when Browning came back, because I thought Browning coming back would dilute the role of both Cooper and Benito. But as good as both all three guys have been at times at getting after the quarterback this year, I think it helps that Benito's a little banged up this week. And Cooper's kind of been getting it done, hasn't he? As you pointed out. So yeah, I'm coming around. Um, I think I actually think Browning's a a better player past Russia, certainly, than Cooper. But you make a good point about the the weekly floor provided by the tackle volume. So, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. And I did the same thing with Cooper when Browning came back. I had knocked him down, and there were probably a couple of weeks where he was lower than he should have been because of that uh, reaction and, I guess, delayed um, correction. So this week, I've got it corrected. Jonathan Cooper's up inside my top 20. Mm-hmm. So this one, this one's a reach from me. I know it. Um, but it feels the right time to talk about Malcolm Kuntz. I've been, I've been kind of playing the waiting game with him. Uh, any pass rusher can have a big game here or there, maybe two. Um, but Kuntz has played at an extremely high level for three of his last five or, or six games. He has a sack, sorry, three sacks and three forced fumbles over that period. And he's played more than half the defensive snaps in each of the last two weeks. There are reasons to hold off, and this almost made me not want to mention him. Crosby didn't play his usual sort of allocation of snaps last week, resulting in a bigger role than usual for Kuntz, and the Chiefs are really not a good matchup for pass rushers. They've allowed only one and a half sacks per game on average this season. I just couldn't ignore what Kuntz was doing any longer, and this felt like the right time to mention him. I would probably wait a week if you are pretty healthy at the edge position, but for those who aren't, maybe you've been hit by injuries. You could do a lot worse than than Kuntz as an edge four, I think. Yeah, I, I can see him in that range. I would probably play Malcolm Kuntz over um, Zadarius Smith in that range. Would you play him over um, Tyree Wilson? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Matt, which which defensive lineman are you fading this week? Who is your feature guy? Brian Burns is a guy that I think you look at and you think, oh, I got to start my studs. It's playoff time. Brian Burns has simply not been a stud this year. You might have drafted him to be that, but he's outside the top 50 D lineman in fantasy scoring for the season. He has not reached a double-digit fantasy point total since week one. Maybe that differs some in your scoring format, but whatever your format is, he probably has not been very good. We've talked about some guys that haven't been getting sacks but have been generating hidden pressures. That's not been Brian Burns, at least relative to what we should be getting from him. He's got eight total pressures over the past four games. His team's offensive crappiness keeps opponents from needing to throw the ball. Uh, And he's got that matchup that I talked about earlier with Jordan Love, who's just not getting sacked a whole lot this year. So Brian Burns, not the stud that you hoped he was going to be. And there's not this huge ceiling that you need to worry about missing. I say, go ahead and sit Brian Burns. I struggle to rank Burns because I know he can be one of the better pass rushers in the league. But for whatever reason, whatever factors go into this, maybe a motivational thing, maybe, uh, maybe he just wants out. He's not getting it done this year, and it's impossible to argue with that point, which, which, as I say, pains me because I've got him in a bunch of places. Um, so my my guy, I want to talk about Khalil Mack in, in this spot. I 
He's still my DL21 or Edge19, and I, I recognize that we're going to need to start him as a DL2 in almost all formats this week. Had a really, really productive bounce back year. One of sort of very few bright spots on that Chargers defense. The only reason I have him here uh, is because of his matchup. The Bills have allowed only 1.4 sacks per game this year, ranking first amongst all teams in the NFL. We've seen some teams have success against them in, in recent games, the Chiefs, for example, a few weeks back. But the way the Chargers are playing, I expect them to be behind early. And I expect the, the Bills to lean heavily on James Cook again. I mean, you know, yeah, Mac needs just one good play to prove me wrong. All of these defensive linemen do, don't they? So maybe he takes down Allen early in the game before it gets too out of hand. But I, I just I don't want to bet on that happening. Not this week. What's That's the man? tough part. They don't even need a good play. They need, he needs like one play where Josh Allen gets flushed out from the other side and he's like, oh, I got you. So that's always the tough part about um, these guys. For for me, Khalil Mack, I agree with the, the factors you mentioned. I would have a tough time setting him in my own lineup unless I had some really strong options. Like I, I could I could see myself playing Samson Ebukam over him. I maybe I I don't think I could get to playing Jonathan Cooper over Khalil Mack, but it abs it's one of those that absolutely could completely let you down this week because of those factors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a Chargers fan, so I love what Mack's doing. Again, it it pains me to mention him here, um, but yeah, can't can't allow bias to creep into these rankings. There's too much at stake, especially this time of year. I mean, if you're a Chargers fan, then we're probably getting bias in the other direction where you shouldn't trust you because you're just too depressed to assess anything, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so any other defensive linemen you don't like the look of this week? Yeah, Andrew Van Ginkle is somebody that I tend to like more than the market, but that's not the case this week. He's got just a half sack since week five. He does have some hidden pressure um, behind that might indicate he's going to break through at some point, but all those pressures that he's generated over the past four weeks came in a tremendous set of matchups the jets the commanders the titans then the jets again so i think not that he's the guy that's going to keep generating pressures at that level and it's finally going to convert to sacks i think instead he's the guy that's going to not generate those pressures this week and still not give us sacks it's a crowded situation where even if miami gets a couple sacks they could easily get three of them and van ginkle could be left out of that Bradley Chubb has been playing well. Zach Sealer's there. Christian Wilkins is there. So they have guys that can make the plays if opportunities do pop up. It is a worse matchup than those past four games that I mentioned. The Cowboys have been inconsistent in protection. They're not tough to sack. They're in the middle of the league in adjusted sack rate, but it's just not a, a great matchup. And they're in the bottom third of the league in terms of allowing fantasy points to defensive linemen. So Andrew Van Ginkle, you know, maybe he gets there, but I don't think there's a great bet for him to do so. Tackle numbers haven't been great. I'd rather bench him this week. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I, it sounds like I'm probably slightly higher on Van Ginkle than you. I I love his his story. I'm kind of willing him to do well every week. But the point I take that you made there is about how most of his production has come against inferior offensive lines. Um, we could argue that he's just been unfortunate in terms of playing as a primary edge rusher in those games where he's playing against weaker offensive lines. But I'd be, again, cherry-picking there, I think. So, yeah, I take your point. I like him. I probably have him ranked higher than you do this week, but you uh, you make a good argument. He's like low, uh, low DL3 territory for me, maybe DL4. I have to see where he settles out. Yeah, 
Yeah. So I've got this next guy in that same territory. I don't like to do that because I really dislike him as a player, but DJ Wanham, consider sitting him if you have uh, superior players. And I, I know this will ruffle feathers because he's had nine sacks this year, regularly playing north of 90% of the snaps. Clearly those are reasons to keep starting him if you must. He is a player who relies heavily on volume to produce. And like I said, there's no sign of his role reducing going forward, but he's produced against some pretty poor offensive lines, similarly to Van Ginkle. And the Lions, who, who face the Vikings this week, are better than most at protecting the quarterback. They've allowed only two sacks per game this year on average. And I think if if anyone on this Vikings D is going to get uh, a sack or two sacks against this team, it's likely to be Daniil Hunter, way above someone like uh, Wanham. He's just not as good as those sack numbers make him look. So I agree. And maybe it ends not. up working out. But, you know, you, you talked about Van Ginkle. Uh, he's the guy who's generating, been generating pressure and not getting the sacks lately. Wanham's been getting the sacks and not generating the pressure to his high degree. So, yeah, I, I'll probably have him ranked well below where most people do this week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, who's your who's your next guy in this same spot? My remaining guy is Boye Mafe, who's another player that you might look at his season numbers and think, oh, that guy got me a sack in like 27 straight games. I can't sit him in the fantasy playoffs, but he's got one QB hit in his past five games. He's got two QB hits among his past seven. He's a poor player in run defense. Maybe that decreases his playing time a little bit in this matchup. I'm not going to bet on that, but uh, instead I'm just going to sit a guy that has been, you know, not he's he's been a very low floor player and that floor is just not there for me this week i've got him in mid dl4 territory probably sitting boy mafe if i can another one that it pains me to admit because he like you say had that run where he was he was really impressive and i i love the leap he's made this year i think that bodes well for his future again if we're talking dynasty i'd be looking to go out and buy mafe interesting to see how he how he performs when they get Nwosu back in the mix as well but yeah, it's been it's been a pretty barren spell of late. It's I always find it interesting when these guys you look at the in season splits. The first half of his season was fantastic. The latter half, if it continues, has been has been a massive drop off. So I'm I'm kind of with you on Mafe. I again want to rank him higher than I than I am, um, but it's it's difficult to do so when you look at his production over the last four, five, six games. Uh, my guy is uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, and this one again might uh, might might ruffle some feathers. Um, I'm not going to spend too long talking about him. I talked about him uh, maybe like three, four weeks ago, and again, a few weeks before that. Uh, I like his potential. I like him in Dynasty. I have him in a bunch of places, but I think he's been very fortunate to produce 13 sacks from only 37 pressures this, this year. And I think, again, another guy who's benefited from playing against some weak offensive lines, the Commanders, twice, and the Jets, seven of his... 13 sacks have come in those three games. All of that aside, I just don't fancy his chances of having a productive game against the the Eagles this week. They've surrendered only 1.3 sacks in the last three games, tying the the Saints, I think it is, for the, the fewest amount of sacks allowed over that span. He's in kind of the same category as Khalil Mack for me. I would play Khalil Mack over Kayvon Thibodeau, but in the same category in that I'd probably be scared to bench him, even though all the factors that you just mentioned, I agree with and are completely why he could certainly let you down this week. I would play Jonathan Cooper over him. I would play Samson Ebukam over Kayvon Thibodeau this week. 
Mm-hmm. Are you ready to talk about some defensive backs now, Matt? Yeah, I, I like defensive backs less than the other positions, but I guess we have to hit it, right? People have to start them. I'm I'm in the same boat, uh, but we need them. Uh, other people do love them. Who is your featured guy? Who is your featured like at the defensive back position this week? I will say overall, I tend to just get some reliable, fairly reliable defensive backs because that's one of the things we don't like about them is that they're not that reliable. I tend to try to find some fairly reliable scorers through the season and then just sit on them rather than chasing matchups too much because the further you get from the ball, the more it depends on game script. That said, the guys that I like, the first one's not like going out on a limb. I think people are going to like him this week. So I, I consider it confirmation that you should play him. Josh Metellus is the primary slot corner for Minnesota. He shouldn't need to be sold much. He's been giving you numbers this year. Um, he should be active in this game against Detroit with Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, and the running backs, you know, heavily involved in the offense. There should just be plenty of opportunities. He's the kind of guy that should just be in your lineup every week at this point. And this week's matchup certainly should keep him there. Agreed. Nothing to really add there. I've got him ranked as my DB eight this week. So you can see that I agree with what you said there. He's kind of been overshadowed by Cam Bynum a little bit this year, um, but he's been better than Harrison Smith. I had all three at one point in my top 12. And I felt justified at the time. This was just after Smith had started to recover after his poor start. But yeah, they've kind of separated a little bit. I've had Bynum in my top three or four pretty much all season. Metellus in that end of DB1, start of DB2 range most of the year. Smith's just been dropping like a stone, which I hate to say because he's been one of my favorite players over the course of the last decade plus. It's funny that you should mention Harrison Smith because I know that we're jumping ahead to another guy that I have on my list, but Harrison Smith is a guy that I would go ahead and play this week a little bit higher than where he has been scoring for the season. For the year, his in-the-box snaps are up. His pass, pass rush opportunities are way up. I know it's not a good matchup for sacks, but that kind of matchup can matter less for a DB because, you know, Harrison Smith's not lining up on the shoulder of the tackle and trying to beat somebody one-on-one. He's going to blitz. So if they're having trouble getting to the quarterback without blitzing, that's all the more reason to try to blitz somebody. He's playing fine. Like the production hasn't been there, but Harrison Smith's performance has been fine. And Detroit's been a positive scoring matchup for DBs. They're in the top 10 in that area. So for me, Harrison Smith is one of those guys where I'm like, I know that the numbers have not helped me necessarily get to where I am, but I'm going to go ahead and play him this week because I think he'll probably at least be okay. And he's the kind of player who can do it in so many areas that he could just have this blow up week that I kick myself all off season for missing. No, I like the insight. I really want to see that kind of week from, from Smith. Uh, I think if he'd had interceptions this year, something he's made a, a name for himself by doing over the course of his career that that might have softened the blow a little bit, but I think with the tackle efficiency being down a bit, the interceptions and big plays not really being there outside of that one huge game where we had three sacks, that kind of just, it scares me off a little bit. I tried not to overrate or underrate the lack of interceptions. I guess not, not so much underrate. I try not to overrate either the interceptions being there, like I mentioned with Tremaine Edmonds, or not being there with Harrison Smith. It makes me look at whether a player has been you know, changing anything about his role and maybe not playing as much deep has contributed to there being fewer interceptions in the game or, you know, see if he's not playing up to par. 
and, you know, I tend to look to pro football focus grades for stuff like that. Cause I I'm not watching every game and saying, Oh, Harrison Smith is not quite as good in coverage as he usually is in my studies of every single player. So as far as I can tell, it seems like he's playing close to his normal and I know that he has that aptitude. So I'd rather, I'd rather go down with Harrison Smith than go down because I didn't play Harrison Smith, obviously, depending on who I'm deciding between, of course. Fair points. The next guy that I wanted to talk up is Brandon Jones. Uh, he's had more opportunities than we expected this year. Injuries to Javon Holland and Deshaun Elliott have certainly helped. But we look for any edge we can get at this position, like I said. So if you're looking for a spot star, so for week 16, I think you can do a lot worse than, than Jones. Clearly, we don't expect two interceptions every week. Like you, I prefer to look at that solid weekly floor, which is why I've got guys like, well, Winfield and Jesse Bates are bad examples. They're my one and two at the DB spot. But it's the reason why I've got someone like a Cam Bynum, who's, I think he leads all safeties in tackles as my DB three this week. I think Jones has the potential to have a big week as a tackler. 25 in his last four games that he started. I know there's a possibility that Elliot clears concussion protocol. I know there's a possibility that Holland comes back, but I think it just takes one of those guys to miss this week for Jones to have yet another another good game. The Cowboys' offense has been kind of kind to opposition safeties, so yeah, I think he's a I think he's a pretty solid start, assuming either Holland or Jones misses time again. Yeah, I agree with the opportunities facing. I agree with Brandon Jones being an upside guy when he gets that. He might be better off if Javon Holland's back and Deshaun Elliott's not. We don't yeah. usually see players miss two games um, with concussions, but Javon Holland is more of that back-end player. And I think we tap into more of Brandon Jones's upside if he gets into the box, if he gets some pass rush chances. He's been playing deep more this year than in previous seasons. But even if he's playing deep, there are tackle opportunities in this Dallas matchup. Yeah, as I say, just keep keep an eye on uh, Holland and, and Elliot as the week unfolds to uh, before you before you think about starting starting Jones is is our advice, I guess. And you mentioned those um, solid four guys. I think maybe one other point that's not even player specific that's worth making is you got to look at your lineup and how many guys you start because the, the bigger the lineup and the more steady producers you have, the easier it is to take a shot on somebody who is more boom bust. Like I said, with Harrison Smith, like if you have another very solid safety, you know, some more reliable corners, some pretty reliable linebacker scorers, it's a lot easier to toss a guy in there that you say, Maybe he only gets me four points this week, but if he has, you know, if he grabs his first interception of the season, he could explode and win this week for me. That's a great point. Who else are you championing at the DB spot, Matt? One more guy is a guy that you're going to need to watch during the week. Devon Witherspoon has the injury that kept him out Monday night. If he's back active this week, you know, unless we don't know how much he's going to play, uh, I'm playing him because he's been terrific this year at a position that you can't usually count on week to week production. Uh, he's been giving it to us every week. He gets pass rush chances. So even if Tennessee isn't completing enough passes to get him tackle opportunities, they'll put him up there and have him rush the passer. I love the the multi-category upside to Devon Witherspoon. As long as we're not getting a, a Pete Carroll like, oh, I don't, we're going to hope that he's ready to go and we'll see. If he's gung-ho, if we get a full practice, I, I'm back in on Devon Witherspoon. I'm all in on Witherspoon. I, I love him. He's been one of my top five corners since 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 he really started stepping it up in this league, which didn't take him long, did it? He's uh, he's He's superb. 
love how he's playing. Let's hope he can make it back. And let's hope that we know that he's back well ahead of the weekend, as you said. Mm-hmm. I quite like what Kyle Hamilton has to offer this this week. He's He's excelled as a player in his second year. That hasn't always translated into fantasy production. He's 32nd in tackles at the safety spot. And outside of that big week, back in week three, the big plays haven't really been there. They've been kind of few and far between. But the Ravens play the the 49ers this weekend. And, you know, Hamilton doesn't blitz often. Purdy's been super careful with the ball, but no team has allowed a higher rate of tackles to opposition safeties than the 49ers. So for that reason, I think Hamilton has a chance to to produce a pretty solid weekly floor. That's an interesting transition to the player I don't like side because I actually list Kyle Hamilton as somebody that I don't like. His season production fantasy-wise, I agree, has been playing fine, and I had him very high in my rankings to open the season. But his season production has been propped up by a couple of huge games, a three-sack week against the Colts back in week three, a pick six against Cleveland in week 10. Otherwise, just an okay player. And I mean, that doesn't mean you you can't use him, but I think he's more like a, a low-end DB3 for this one. The 49ers have been the league's worst scoring matchup overall for DBs. I know they're supplying tackle opportunities to safeties, but they don't offer sack or turnover upside. So there's not that big game potential that I'm scared of, of missing if I sit Kyle Hamilton. And the Niners don't run a whole lot of plays tied for 29th in the league. They're just too efficient on offense. They get off the field and it cuts down on overall tackle opportunities. So if I'm looking for a DB or, you know, if he's the guy that I've been starting every week and I I don't want to reach for a matchup that might be a little bit better, I'm fine with leaving him in there. But there are definitely safeties that I'm starting over Kyle Hamilton this week. I I love that we've got a disagreement here. <laughs> Finally, Matt, like a proper one. It's uh, been far too much agreeing going on on That's this right. show. You just got to watch to the end for the fireworks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm also sort of low-key interested in Xavier McKinney. His production has tailed away a little bit in the last few games. He had sort of that really sweet spell of sort of four consecutive games with 10 or more. But I think he can bounce back against the Eagles this weekend. They haven't been quite as nice a matchup for opposition safeties in in recent games but but again they still rank in the top five in terms of tackle efficiency to opposition safeties so whether we can produce the big plays i don't know but again i'm chasing this this weekly floor a position that is so volatile in terms of scoring yeah and that's why you chase that floor because the turnovers are not something you can count on some guys are better at that than others but harrison smith's very good at it he just doesn't get lucky in the interception category at times well now we've now we've talked about him he's going to come up with three this weekend and like uh you know prove what you i'm trying right, to talk into existence is the big harrison smith lead. <laughs> yeah so who who do you want to feature in last last session now so who do you want to feature in your db fades list who's the first guy you want to talk about I don't like Marquise Bell and I wouldn't have planned on bringing him up, but it seems like he's still being prominently thought of in terms of starting DBs. He's just not scoring that way. There's nothing attractive about him. I think that people still see a safety starting at linebacker and they're like, I'm going to start that guy and get the tackle upside. He's outside of the top 60 DB scorers for the season. He's got no double digit fantasy totals for the year, at least by the balance scoring system that I'm looking at for this. If you look at the fantasy pros consensus right now, he's inside the top 20. I think it's a mistake if you're using Marquise Bell this week at that level. 
Yeah, he's another guy that I, I really want to be doing better. He should be doing better if he if he has safety designation in your in your league. But he, he is still trailing Clark in snap share. And like we talked about earlier on with another linebacker, it looks pretty healthy on a per week basis. But when you add that up over the course of the season, it, it hurts you. So yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on the bell thing. I, I like how he's playing, but that matters for little in fantasy. Yeah, at some point you just have to be like, it, it hasn't worked. What What is the reason that I think it's suddenly going to do something this week? Uh, so my guy is is Richie Grant. This is an easy fade this week. Uh, the Falcons have been threatening to pivot to DeMarco Hellams now for about the last month or so. Even so, it was still a surprise to me, at least, to, he, to see that huge swing in snap share between the two guys last week. Grant's involvement dropped from around about sort of 75 to 80, 85 range to just 11%, while Hellams played almost every down. So it was one of three changes, I think, that the Falcons made to their defense. And Smith did talk about how those changes might not be permanent. But when you consider how well Hellams played, coupled with the fact that Grant has really struggled in multiple ways this year, I think it would be a surprise if this didn't continue into week 16 and beyond. Don't yeah. start Grant in week 16. Were you surprised to see that switch, Matt? Yeah, very surprised. I mean, I, I would have thought that they viewed Richie Grant as a building block and maybe they still do and they just think that he needs a reset. But yeah, if anytime something happens like that, you have to assume, I think, that a player, especially at such a volatile position, is out of your consideration for the following week. For sure. And it's at this point that I realized I could have mentioned Helms amongst my DB likes. So uh, opportunity missed, but yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> you got to save something for them to come visit the site to get, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, Matt, can you, can you name me two more guys uh, you're shying away from at the DB spot this week? Well, I already threw out Kyle Hamilton before being asked. So my other one is Kyle Duggar. And he's another player that's up in that high range of scoring that you might think, I got to start my studs this week. The Broncos are a negative scoring matchup for DBs. They have put up numbers in that category, like been more generous in that area over the past three games with passes defensed and interceptions up. Those came in losses to Houston and Detroit. You know, I mentioned earlier, we get back to this New England-Denver matchup. Here we are, because I don't think the Patriots are actually good enough to press the Broncos into throwing the ball more than they want to. And that's been a key to the Broncos being a negative scoring matchup. Russell Wilson's been pretty good with the ball. It might be hard to remember that when he's coming. He's not that far away from that three INT game against Houston. He's only thrown interceptions in five of his 14 games this season. So generally doing pretty well. Kyle Duggar only has two INTs this year. So it's not like he's been a ball hawk. He hasn't had a double digit fantasy score since week eight, of course, depending on your format. So really Kyle Duggar, I think is a low floor guy here this week and doesn't have a ceiling that I'm worried about missing. If I sit him for something that I think is more attractive, he Kyle Duggar, I would sit for Harrison Smith, for example. Interesting, interesting. I have Duggar ahead of Smith, but again, you make a good case. Duggar's been kind of so-so all year, hasn't been particularly disappointing, hasn't been particularly impressive either. If you've got him in your in your in your lineup still, you're probably still going to play him again in week 16. Because what really are you expecting at this point? It's probably going to be more of the same. Don't like the matchup either. So my uh my last two guys, I'll 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 go back to back here. As, as you said, you've already mentioned Hamilton. 
two talented players, Matt. Um, feels a shame to mention him here. PJ Locke, he's a fade for me. Very few DBs have been as productive over the last month. He's got 26 tackles, three sacks, two forced fumbles, and three pass breakups in that span. But yeah, Kareem Jackson's back this week. Peyton did say some sort of encouraging stuff about wanting to keep Locke involved. And, you know, he'd be stupid not to, given how Locke has played. But it seems very likely to me that Jackson will impact Locke's snap share. Or maybe Jackson will overtake that role completely again until the end of the year. So I'm just not willing to take that gamble at this point in the season on a DB when there's so many other guys that I could be uh, starting in that spot. I mean, I say this knowing that Jackson isn't the same player as he used to be. Take out all the headhunting stuff. He's He hasn't played as well as he used to when he first arrived at the Broncos. But yeah, I think they go with, with, with Jackson over Locke. Maybe both of them play. And it hurts both of them. But either way, I think Locke, his value has dipped or will dip as a result of Jackson coming back. Mm -hmm. And then my next uh, and our final nomination is, uh, again, a uh, pretty straightforward one, but also a bit of a head scratcher as, in terms of why. So it's Tariq Woolen. I don't think there's any definitive reason as to why he was benched last week as has been, been talked about, certainly by, by the Seahawks coaches, by Pete Carroll. And so I think we can hazard a guess, though, with the the missed tackles that were a problem for him last year, 19% or so, have, have kind of spilled over into this year as well. And I don't think it was any coincidence that he missed three attempts, tackle attempts, the week before he effectively got got benched. Uh, you know, he was one of the best cover corners last year. We have to mention that. He went to the Pro Bowl. He had six interceptions, nine pass breakups allowed a really low passer rating in coverage. I forget what it was. It was somewhere in the 70s. But this year, hasn't been terrible in coverage, but those missed tackles remain a problem. I expect him to play more than the the 28% snap share he had last week, especially if Witherspoon misses misses more time. But but again, why, why gamble at this point? If I've got any reservations about whether or not they're going to play 100% of the snaps, I'm I'm out. I want nothing to do with it. Yeah, cornerback brings enough risk. If they're going to add a risk factor, it's it's worth forgetting about. I totally agree. For sure. So look, that uh, that brings us to the end of what I've just realized is the the last episode before before Christmas. Matt, thanks for coming on. It's uh, I've really enjoyed mixing it up with you on today's show. I hope you've had as much fun as I have. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I always like jumping on and talking defensive players especially. That's all good. It's all good. I'll have to have you back on again at some point. But look, I hope you have a, a wonderful Christmas with the family and, and maybe let's hook up again in the new year for more of the same. For anyone who has been kind of hiding under a rock, can you remind our audience where to find you and your fantasy content? Yeah, um, I'm on I'm on X at ShaufDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. Um, you can find all my stuff at DraftSharks.com, rankings and all that. Um, you know, IDP content. I do IDP hits every Friday or Saturday, actually this season throughout the season, just kind of collecting all the IDP bits, things that I found while researching during the week, stuff that I think is going to matter. Um, so you can go back and find all the, the back articles you might still find some useful stuff there. I looked at actually some, some rookie linebackers that are worth stashing in dynasty for next year and beyond. in one of those recent ones trying to give people who might have been out of the playoffs, something to to still use from there. So yeah, check out DraftSharks.com. And, uh, you know, Jace, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate having this opportunity. 
pleasure has been all mine, Matt. It's been great to uh, to catch up with you and talk about, as we talked about off air before we started, our our favourite subject. Right? Doesn't get any better than this. So, yeah. If you uh, if you aren't already following Matt, go and do so. Shame on you, and go and do so and support his work. You can also chuck me a follow as well if you want to. I'm on X at Jace Abbey. My weekly rankings are over on the idpshow.com. I'll be back next Wednesday to bring you more of the same for week 17. And in the meantime, happy holidays. Good luck to those who are still in playoff contention. And thanks for tuning in. Tired of the hurt, got tired of the shade. Just booked a flight downtown LA. With my head in the sand, eyes to the sky. Keep my chin up, gotta get mine. Too old for the hand, I was doing just fine. No suicide later, all